and a happy Wednesday to you here as we're just a handful of days before Christmas 2023. John Rawl is my name, and this is the Y'all Show, where sit back for the next couple of hours. We're going to tell you what's going on across the Southeast. Major, major political impact on Tuesday as the Colorado Supreme Court declares that President Trump will be ineligible for office and will not be on the 2024 ballot in that state. Of course, that's going to get challenged. We've got that news headline coming out of Colorado, but we also have opinion on that. And if you've got something to say about it, we want to hear from you here at the program all about the Southeast. So lots of Trump goings on as uh, per usual, not just for this show, but for just about every other media outlet. Uh, the guy has a way of soaking up all of the energy and all of the oxygen when it comes to journalism. Maybe rightly so. Maybe the media brings it on because it is a, uh, it's a, it's a clickbait. That's the term I was looking for. It's clickbait. And people know that if you hate Trump, you're going to click on it. And if you love Trump, you're going to click on it. So we've got all of that going on as part of our news headlines of today's y'all show. We also have in our headlines across the Southeast information about a proud boy member being sentenced as we discuss the January 6th impact with Trump, there is a Southerner who just got sent off to jail for a few years. We've got that story in our headlines across the Southeast. The governor, or rather the former governor, now U.S. Senator from the state of Florida, is Tim Scott. Not Tim Scott, Rick Scott. Tim Scott, South Carolina. Shame on me. Rick Scott, the Navy guy, and news out of Florida, he's going to actually donate a portion of his salary as being a U.S. senator to the Florida Holocaust Museum in St. Pete. We'll tell you more about that story. And I'm going to tell you what a United States senator makes. And it may be a little less than you might have thought, especially in the Bidenomics world that we live in. We've got wonderful news if you are wanting to pump your chest about something. The the South, the South is dominating the American population gain, gains right now. The data just coming out from the Census Bureau. And there's one southern state that is leading the way for growth across the whole country, that is. And I'll tell you which southern state that is. Look out. All right. Also, we've got, speaking of po- population and census news, immigration is fueling an uptick in the U.S. population growth. So we got that addendum to our population stories. Sadly, another tornado victim from the Middle Tennessee tornadoes that happened about a week and a half ago as another Clarksville area person has died from those tornadoes that killed at least six people already. So we've got that story from Middle Tennessee. And speaking of storms, we had that wild, almost hurricane, a tornado, that's what I'll call it, the hurricane-like event that happened on the East Coast over the weekend that caused flooding and power outages and more. And a result of that is now there are tires washing up on the beaches of eastern North Carolina. And we'll discuss that. The Missouri Supreme Court making some news, as Colorado made a lot of news on Tuesday. Well, in Jefferson City, the Missouri Supreme Court, with a story of note, we'll tell you about that. And in our headlines today, I'm going to tell you about how you, a Atlanta-area woman put on a Waffle House uniform and posed as a Waffle House employee all to ultimately two hours after she came in the door in her Waffle House costume 
decided to rob the place. <laughs> so we got that story out of Georgia to tell you about. That and some Oprah Winfrey news all on the headlines of the day here on the Y'all Show. Hour number one, we also have hashtag Hullabaloo coming your way. And speaking of the show me state, Senator Josh Hawley, he represents Missouri in the United States Senate. And he's on social media this week talking about the newly passed on the Senate side of the House of Rep- or of the U.S. Congress. He talks about the new defense bill that's going to get sent over to, to the other side of the building. But we've got info from Josh Hawley to tell you about. Also, Arkansas going dark. What is that all about? Listen up. We've got those hashtag hullabaloo conversations coming up later this hour. Hour number two, we've got our pal Paul Hare dropping by. He normally is here on Friday. We're going to be off the air Friday. So Paul is going to come in and give us an update on this holiday week, you could call it right now. A lot of people already off and going. I think I saw that the airline travel is going to start really getting ramped up today at some point. But Thursday is going to be one of the biggest travel days of the year. And, of course, Friday will be too. So it's holiday travel time. Paul is going to talk about that all as part of his financial report here on the Y'all Show. We also have in our second hour today, Southern Food for Thought. And we've got, hey, this is very helpful for a lot of you, including myself. What restaurants are going to be open on Christmas Day? Some of the chain restaurants. And usatoday.com has done a great job of breaking down who's going to be open. So if you don't have your Christmas Day plans, we might just be able to help you out if you're not cooking or or somebody's got you coming over. If you want to have some food on Christmas Day, listen up for that story coming up in hour number two. Hour number three, it's going to be about Southern history. And on this day in history, a couple of things of importance to the South. First of all, the Virginia Company had a role in making this day somewhat important in American history. We'll let you know about the Virginia Company going way back to the earliest days of this country. Today is also the day that South Carolina said, we're out of here in 1860. Today is the day that South Carolina passed its ordinance of secession. And for a while, the Palmetto State had its own republic. It was its own country there for about a month or so. And then other southern states joined up with South Carolina to form the Confederate States of America. But South Carolina's Independence Day today, we'll discuss how that happened in Charleston back on December 20th, 1860. The Union is dissolved. That was the big headline. Also today in history, some folks with birthdays of note. Irene Dunn, famous film star of yesteryear. And today is the Black Crows founder, singer Chris Robinson. I'll let you know about his connection to the South. All that is part of our Southern History Spotlight. And before we get out of here today, we want to leave you with some laughs. And we've got something that we found called the the Christmas the best Christmas joke ever told. And it comes to us from a couple of funny men, Caleb Elliott. Also, it comes to us from John Christ and Derek Stroop. It's the funniest Christmas joke ever told. I had to make sure it was clean, and I think it'll pass but it's going to be played there before we get out of here today in our final hour. All that here on the Y'all Show to involve yourself with our program. You can always text us 615-208-4184. You can email us here on the program, mail at y'all.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we hope you're doing well 
as we kick off our news headlines of the day. So the big story nationwide overnight was that President Donald Trump has been kicked off of the ballot for Colorado in 2024 as a ruling by that state's Supreme Court. 4-3 decision, by the way. A court made up entirely of Democratic appointees, FYI, but a 4-3 decision to declare that Trump will be ineligible for the White House under the U.S. Constitution's insurrection clause, and he'll be removed from the state's presidential primary ballot, and that's going to likely get appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court as the decision from that Colorado court marks the first time in history that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has been used to disqualify a presidential candidate. Now, later on in today's Y'all Show, I'm going to kind of throw out the news of this, and I'm just going to put out some opinion, not just my own, but some of the talking heads opinion that I've been able to hear over the last 24 hours on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, on January 6th, on what some real, real Trump haters, people who've turned on him, what they've come out and said that actually helps Donald Trump. I'll talk about the political impact of this. I'll talk about how Trump, for some reason, Tuesday he was having a rally in Iowa, and he did not bring this thing up. It had just kind of happened, and he didn't mention it in his raucous rally in Iowa Tuesday night, I, I was almost going to watch the whole thing and I got sidetracked by a few other things and didn't watch it, but he he may have purposely dodged, dodged the question, and I'm sure all the people in the audience were aware of that. They've got phones. they got the big breaking news stories coming in on their social media feeds, but Trump didn't give them the red meat to, to talk about it. There's, in a lot of circles, belief that this is only going to help Trump, that decision by the Colorado Supreme Court. We'll give you a lot of opinion as we go forward on today's show. But right now, at least according to Trump's legal spokesperson, and that's his lawyer, Alina Haba, in a statement Tuesday night, she said, this ruling issued by the Colorado Supreme Court attacks the very heart of this nation's democracy. It will not stand, and we trust that the Supreme Court will reverse this unconstitutional order. Hmm. So again, the Colorado Supreme Court, this only affects Colorado, declaring that Trump is ineligible for office and won't be on the primary ballot for 2024, of which Coloradoans should be going to the polls uh, sometime well after the first states. Maybe Super Tuesday is the day that Colorado folks vote But what a day, what a day. And we will have much more to say on this as we continue on. Now, Trump, a lot of this is because of his actions on January 6th of 2021. We've got an update on Charles Donahue. He is a North Carolinian, and he's a former Proud Boys leader. And on Tuesday, he was sentenced to over three years behind bars for his actions on January 6th. He is from Kernersville, North Carolina. And Donahue has previously pleaded guilty to conspiring with other members of the Proud Boys to storm the Capitol back on January 6th. And on Tuesday, he apologized to his family, Capitol Police, and America as a whole with the statement saying, 
I know what I was doing was illegal from the very moment those barricades got knocked down. And again, he's considered a former leader of the Proud Boys extremist group and now going to go off to jail for at least three years for the attack on the U.S. Capitol three years ago. And he's now become the second Proud Boy member to plead guilty to conspiring with other group members to obstruct the congressional hearing and the ratification of Joe Biden as president back in January of 2021. Now, if you're like me, and I try to kind of keep up with the headlines and the goings on of the country, I may not know everything. You may not know everything. But I know I'm not the average dummy, okay? I'm just a, a, a slight dummy. And Proud Boys, okay? I'm a guy that ought to know what the heck Proud Boys is. Never heard of Proud Boys until the last couple of years. Had you? Have they replaced the Ku Klux Klan? I don't know. But again, when you don't know anything about them, it sure makes for a lesson on who the heck are the Proud Boys. So if you'll bear with me just a second, since this guy from North Carolina is going to be in jail for three years for being a Proud Boy member and just being there in Washington, D.C. on that day, at least tell, let me tell you briefly what the heck Proud Boys is. Gavin McInnes, who co-founded Vice Magazine back in 1994 but got thrown out in 2008 as that head of that magazine due to his creative differences. He is considered one of the leaders and founders of Proud Boys. It was launched as an organization. No wonder I don't know much about it. Proud Boys launched in September of 2016. And it was launched to be a a kind of a white nationalist organization. The name is derived from the song Proud of Your Boy, which was originally created for Disney's film Aladdin, but left out following story changes in production. And then it has been in the 2011 musical adaptation of Aladdin. This group's name, they owe it to a song called Proud of Your Boy from a Disney movie? Proud of Your Boy, a song written by Howard Ashman, The song was omitted when Aladdin's mother was written out of the story. Okay, that maybe explains why. And has been picked up again by the Proud Boys, and that's part of their their name. Hmm. All right, again, only been in existence for about seven years, and they're considered a hate group by a group that I won't mention because that group is questionable in itself criminologists have pointed out that the proud boys initiation ceremonies involve criminal and violent behavior as far as the numbers of proud boy members across the country that may be more of a mystery that only the fbi knows those numbers but it's not in my opinion the world's biggest hate group. I don't know who would be the world's biggest hate group, but this group, when you're only around seven years, I mean, let's just be honest, they didn't have much national attention until the Trump issues 
during his presidency, and and it really ramped up during that January 6th event. They just got a small headline or two along the way, but they used January 6th to go out and be seen in a big way, and now they're being heavily punished. This guy from North Carolina, again, part of this Proud Boys movement, he has been sentenced to three years in jail. Charles Donahoe of Kernersville, North Carolina, off because of his involvement. All right, one more political story before we take a break. And President Trump recently, this is probably red meat to Proud Boys member, as he, in a speech over the weekend, talked about how the illegal immigration was poisoning the blood of our country. And now President Trump is getting a lot of grief about that statement because people are comparing to what would have come from Nazi Germany during the time of Adolf Hitler. In fact, on Tuesday, Trump said he's been accused of having a copy of Mein Kampf by his bed and and reading it. And Trump said, I've never read Mein Kampf, and I have to agree with him. I don't think Trump reads a whole lot, period. That's just an opinion that I've got. But that's what he came out and said Tuesday. Well, Senator Tommy Tuberville, the good old football coach, is now saying that Donald Trump's remarks about poisoning the blood of our country, well, they they weren't tough enough, according to Donald Trump. And Trump made that original quote about poisoning the blood of our country at a rally over the weekend in New Hampshire. Now, Trump saying that, and, and now Tommy Tuberville asked about what he thought of the poisoning the blood comments, and this is what Tommy Tuberville said. I'm mad he wasn't tougher than that because have you seen what's happening at the border? We're being overrun. They're taking us over. So a little bit disappointed it wasn't tougher. That from Tommy Tuberville. A spokesperson for the Biden-Harris 2024 campaign, Amar Musa, said, Donald Trump channeled his role models as he parroted Adolf Hitler praised Kim Jong-un and quoted Vladimir Putin while running for president on a promise to rule as a dictator and then threaten democracy. Okay, that's the response from the White House. But now, again, as I said, Trump defending some of his rhetoric and we'll find out if it damages him in the polls and more. But how about Tama Tuberville coming forward to defend Donald Trump here in this case. When we come back on the Y'all Show, the South is booming. That's just not an opinion, y'all. It really is. And there's one Southern state that's kind of coming out of nowhere to be the leader in the country in terms of population growth. Do you think your Southern state is that state? What's making people go to this Southern state as it's booming? You know, people used to go out to California for gold, But now they're finding gold in a southern state, and it's a different type of gold, one you might not have expected. Oh, back when the people were trying to get rich. This one's not really a gold that you're going to get rich on, but you're going to sure love it if you have an appreciation for good southern food. So we got that headline coming up here in just a few moments. Right here on the show, all about the southeast. We are y'all Powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Hang on.
to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so So I appreciate that low, low voice there from Josh Turner, Grand Ole Opera member from Hannah, Hannah, South Carolina, y'all, and the Palmetto State is on our mind. And Josh, you're not a good example of why South Carolina's in the headlines today because you left South Carolina just like somebody else I know. But South Carolina is growing y'all and we're back here on the y'all show looking at headlines of the day and south carolina truly is growing how do i know it because it is the leading state alongside florida for population gains according to the u.s census bureau the south as a whole dominating the population gains of the country as new estimates released by the Census Bureau Tuesday show that the South dominated the entire country. And South Carolina and Florida were the two fastest-growing states in the country. The U.S. added 1.6 million people, of which more than two-thirds came from international migration. And the half-percent growth was the slight uptick from 0.4% growth late last year. So we're growing, y'all, and a lot of that is because of immigration. There were 300,000 fewer deaths in 2023 compared to 2022, and that helped double the natural increase to more than a half million people in 2023. And the, the vast, I mean, listen to this, the vast majority of the nation's growth, 87%, came from the southern region. And that southern region, according to the Census Bureau, stretches from Texas to Maryland, our coverage area here on the Y'all Show. South Carolina's population rose by more than 90,000 residents, a 1.7% growth compared to 2022. And more than 90% of the growth came from domestic migration in South Carolina, people moving to the Palmetto State from other states. Yankees is what we normally call that. (laughs) Florida had a 1.6% gain in its population as Florida added over 365,000 new residents. And that was the second highest growth in terms of numbers. So that's big news. Texas gained 473,000 folks. So South Carolina, with a big 1.7% growth rate over the last year, adding 90,000 new folks to the Palmetto State's rosters. Now, if people are moving to South Carolina and some places like Florida and Texas, then they're evidently leaving other southern states. And New York had the biggest rate of population decline 
as they lost 0.5% of the population, the largest decline in pure numbers, as they dropped 102,000 residents out of the Empire State. California also lost people. It lost 75,000 residents this year. California still has a 38.9 million resident population. 38 million people live in that one state. For the first time, Georgia surpassed 11 million people in its population. And there are seven other states that have at least 11 million people in them. So people are moving to Georgia. Look, they're moving to Tennessee. Folks are moving to all of our southern states. But the numbers show that South Carolina, in terms of population numbers, really grew more than percentage-wise more than anyone. All right. Let me tell you about the U.S. by by these population numbers. The country, this is another story I'm pulling up here about immigration fueling the population growth. This is really for the whole country. That's the South. It's seeing a lot of domestic relocations within its boundaries. The U.S. added 1.6 million people, and most of that, two-thirds of which came from international migration. There are now here in this country 334 million people, 334 million Americans. So what did I just say? California had about 34. California is 10% of the country. They should just be their own country. What do you think? Do I have a second? <laughs> All right, let's tell you about a sad story about how we've lost a Southerner from with our with from within our ranks. We had those bad, bad tornadoes that passed through Middle Tennessee two weekends ago, and now a fourth person in the Clarksville area has died after that tornado hit that town on December ninth. A 78-year-old Clarksvillian, Penny Scroggins, has died after suffering injuries during the storm. She had been hospitalized after the tornado decimated the mobile home she shared with her son. And she, after several weeks in the hospital, did not make it. Other Clarksville, Tennessee residents that died include a 10-year-old Adrian Cody, a 59-year-old Donna Allen, and 34-year-old Stephen Hayes. And now that one town in Montgomery County in Tennessee has died as a result of complications from her injuries from that December 9th tornado. That was a ugly storm that passed through on that Saturday here in the holiday time. And now this family grieving the loss of this woman in Middle Tennessee. We had a really weird storm pass up the eastern seaboard in the last couple of days. And we've had lots of power outages. We've had flooding and more in the Carolinas. And one after effect of that crazy storm that went on up into New England and caused hundreds of thousands of people there to be without power and have problems. And I think I saw at least one death attributed to the storm. Well, this nor'easter that happened over the weekend is likely the reason that you're seeing thousands of tires all of a sudden wash up on North Carolina's beaches, and especially there in the Emerald Isle and Indian Beach area, 
there are these big giant tires washing up. And one person said just they in the one afternoon Monday, they collected 25 tires. The North Carolina Division of Marine Fisheries said that staff are picking up tires and that they expect hundreds of them to wash up on that one beach. And the likely reason is these tires are part of an artificial reef offshore that have now washed up. According to a spokesperson for the Division of Marine Fisheries in North Carolina, in the 1960s, 70s, and early 80s, it was common practice on the East Coast to use tires to construct artificial reefs for fish habitat and to produce attractive fishing grounds. The practice of using tires for artificial artificial reefs has been discontinued for many years, however. Tires from these old reefs are sometimes loosened during storms and wash ashore on area beaches. So I didn't know that they dropped tires off off of the coast of our region. I knew that some people put tires on our in our inland lakes for fishing habitat. But not not a pretty look on an area like the Emerald Coast. What do they call that? The Crystal Coast. The Crystal Crystal Coast. No, Emerald Beaches, Florida. The Outer Banks area. They call that the Crystal Coast. I think is what it's called. I've been there, Moorhead City, Beaufort, and all. Then you got the Outer Banks north of there. Beautiful section of our country, and now tires are making a big mess out of it. Hopefully they'll be able to clean it up and everybody there will have a beautiful beach to walk on before Santa Santa Claus comes hanging out on the Outer Banks here in a few days. We have more headlines we'll get to. Again, a lot of say about President Trump and what happened in Colorado as they disqualified him from the 2024 ballot. we got much to say about that as we continue on. But when we come back on y'all... We've got hashtag hullabaloo, and we've got some great stuff coming in on that, including Arkansas going dark. Say what? (laughs) Stay tuned. Arkansas's native son, Justin Moore, here on the Y'all Show. Big song for him. 
We're back closing up this first hour of our Wednesday Y'all Show with hashtag Hullabaloo and the natural state is on our mind. Justin would be proud. As we have something from social media talking about Arkansas, and it comes to us from America As You Like It, which has the X account of Travel As You Like It. Holidays to America As You Like It is what they claim. And they have a link to their website, americaasyoulikeit.com. All right. Well, let's find out what in the world they're talking about. And America As You Like It has posted on Monday, April 8th of 2024. Monday, April 8th, 2024. Where will you be? According to this website, around 1 o'clock that day on April 8th, the entire state of Arkansas will have at least 94 percent obstruction of the sun it is said the eclipse will be the most viewed eclipse in history great for a fly drive stopover all right so i'm not enough up on the stars and eclipses and more but there must be something coming april 8th of 2024 of which according to this website it looks like arkansas is going to have 94 percent obstruction of the sun right there around one o'clock in the afternoon. Now, was it 2017? We had some kind of deal that went across the South and it was supposed to be kind of a 100% obstruction from the sun in the late, late afternoon hours. I remember going outside and the lights where, where I was at the time did cut on the lights that are kind of sensors for sunlight. And if there's not enough sunlight to cut on, well, in this case, they did actually cut on around two o'clock in the afternoon. I think that was a, I, I think that was an August deal, but there's supposed to be a total solar eclipse coming Monday, April 8th. And it will take place at the moon's ascending node and will be visible across North America. And it's called the great North American eclipse. And that's coming April 8th. So something to look for in the year 2024. If nothing else, if you're dreading the election, if you're dreading sports teams and their performance in 2024, get ready for the great North American eclipse coming on April 8th. And, Thank you here on social media for letting us know about it. The account America as you like it. And it looks like Arkansas is going to be a dang good place to be with 94% obstruction of the sun when this thing passes over. And you might have to head on to Poyan, Arkansas and check out Justin Moore's hometown that particular day there in Grant County and listen to some Justin Moore music and sit back and See things go dark for a while. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some political news. Josh Hawley is a U.S. Senator from the Show Me State of Missouri. At Hawley M.O. is his ex account. Hawley's profile says he's a Christian, a constitutional lawyer, and he's a husband to Aaron and a dad to Elijah, Blaze, and Abigail, the United States Senator, the junior Senator from the state of Missouri. He is a MAGA Republican, Josh Hawley. I think he's got a pretty bright future. 
He's pretty darn conservative there in the halls of the United States Senate. Josh Hawley on X this week put out the following statement. The Senate passed the defense bill tonight, but it's nothing to celebrate. Defense contractors get paid billions while Missourians, poisoned by their government, get nothing. It's a travesty. That from U.S. Senator Josh Hawley. Now, that defense bill he's talking about, I don't think it's gone and passed the U.S. Congress, U.S. House at least, and it has not received Joe Biden's signature that I'm aware of, but they better get on it because if they're going to pass it, they're running out of time with this holiday break happening. But I guess they have magical ways to make uh, legislation that they want to get through, go through if they really want it to go through. <laughs> All right. Let's go to an X from Scott Bell. And it's on X, Scott Bell, Atlanta Rules is his account. Scott Bell's profile says, I like movies, performing comedy in Atlanta. King of Atlanta comedy, good old Atlanta. I think he likes Atlanta. Scott Bell with the X account, Scott Bell, 843-43-377. I know 843 is the low country of South Carolina area code. I don't think he's going to have an X account number that's got another state's area code. I, 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 know, I don't know where he came up with that, but y'all can just find out who this guy is. Scott Bell, Atlanta Rules. So he has posted on his X account a clip and a statement about Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe on MSNBC. And Scott Bell is pointing out that Joe Scarborough was recently mocking Southerners, including his own native Florida and Georgia in what he was saying on MSDNC. So I've got this pulled up here from Joe Scarborough. What exactly was he saying to mock Southerners? Joe Scarborough originating, uh, this is what he said on MSNBC, originating from the cracker counties of the Florida panhandle, sometimes like to stress his Southern upbringing and describing himself as a simple country lawyer who attended two Southern state universities. Okay, this is somebody talking about Joe Scarborough. And that's true. Scarborough actually has a degree from the University of Alabama. He's a Crimson Tide fan. I think he might have got his law degree there. But Joe Scarborough, according to this poster on X, says that he has developed an ugly habit of mocking Southern Republicans by putting on their supposed accents. And evidently, Scarborough has been doing that about James Comer of Kentucky. And he's been mocking Comer's accent. And I think Scarborough says something to the effect of, we ain't got nothing but a squirrel fryer and a hound dog. All right, I don't know where that would have come from. And now Joe Scarborough is mocking the new U.S. Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson of Shreveport, calling him Jesus's man in Congress. And he has a extremely heavy Southern accent when he starts mocking Speaker Johnson, saying, quote, all you got to do is look at the Bible. That's what I do. Scarborough bringing that up on MSDNC. And... That's not, that ain't cool, Joe. 
Now, what's crazy for Joe Scarborough is, do you realize who inherited his congressional seat and who has that seat that Scarborough once represented back in the 1990s? That seat now belongs to Matt Gates. So they went, and, and Scarborough was a good Republican. I remember him vividly. He was a bright, shining star when he was a member of Congress. I don't know how he went from being a Florida panhandle Republican congressman to being a, I don't want to call him a liberal. I think he's just doing it for show. But he's on MSDNC every day with Morning Joe. The show's, it's named after him, for goodness sakes. He's married now to Mia Brzezinski or whatever her name is. Who by no means is an example of a Florida panhandle conservative. Joe Scarborough, what happened to you, man? Come back to us. Go back to Tuscaloosa and hang out and maybe you'll get a little southern training maybe maybe you need a good old alabama florida beat down by some good old boys not literally a beat down just a beat down uh to get you back to your southernness maybe maybe all right that's our hashtag hullabaloo y'all we'll be back with hour two after this there y'all this is the show show all about y'all it's the y'all show powered by y'all.com john the general of all things southern y'all of that's not my last name i've got y'all so much on my brain i don't even know my own name well my name's almost y'all it's john rawl and uh it's good to be here with you for hour two of this wednesday showcase of all things dixie we got more headlines that we'll be covering we also have Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group. He'll be calling in to tell us about the world of money and Wall Street and more. Are people happy this year when they wake up on Christmas Day and look at their earnings? Are they going to be putting a little extra money into the stocking to give away (laughs) this year? We'll talk to Paul about all that fun stuff in just a few minutes here on our Wednesday edition. want to also let you know that coming up here on this second hour of our y'all show that in addition to paul we have our food conversation and today we're going to help you out help you out in a big way if you're a person that has had to have christmas by yourself if you've had christmas where you didn't have an invitation to go to somebody's house and eat you didn't want to eat yourself you you didn't want to cook yourself we've got a Helpful article coming to us from USA Today. It is an article titled, What Restaurants Are Open on Christmas Day 2023? And so I'm going to tell you where you can go 
if you want to take it easy on St. Nick's Day Monday. All right, so that's coming up here in our second hour. And a reminder, in hour number three today, we've got a lot of history that we're going to be talking about, including today's the day that South Carolina divorced the nation as they became an independent republic back on December 20th of 1860. They seceded from the Union. Info on South Carolina history as well as the Virginia Company is a item of Southern history that's important today. We'll tell you about that. Plus, today is also the birthday of some notable people, a member of the Black Crows, the founding singer of that, Chris Robinson, with a birthday. We'll tell you more about the Black Crows, maybe play a little Black Crows music for you in our third hour today. All that coming up here on y'all. If you want to email us, our email address is mail at y'all.com. That is a great way for you to stay on top of what's going on here all the time. Mail at y'all.com. Let's dive into a couple of headlines before Paul stops by with his financial report. The big national story today is that President Trump has now been disqualified, according to the Colorado Supreme Court. They have disqualified the 45th president from the 2024 ballot in Colorado. The Rocky Mountain State, is that right? Is that what it's called? Maybe it's the Trump-hating state. You take Lauren Boebert out of the equation, and I don't know how much conservatism exists in that state. How could that solid red state back in the 80s and 90s all of a sudden become the state that it is, and it's completely blue, except for Lauren Boebert? (laughs) Ken Buck, remember, he's a Republican from Colorado. He's leaving office. He's the guy that has been critical of Trump. He's a guy that has voted. He was one of the eight that voted to kick out Kevin McCarthy. But he's he's kind of an oddball. But he's an old oddball that's leaving, and he's been a Republican. And something tells me that Buck's district will likely go blue whenever they choose a successor. I'm going to blame Colorado's complete flip on pot. It truly has gone to pot, in my opinion, that state. They were the leading state out there to try to open up marijuana. And, man, did the pothead liberals head to Colorado. And, again, if I'm wrong on it, apologies, Colorado. I don't think too many people from that state are listening. But they should. Colorado was almost a southern state in terms of, I guess, sentiment. They are a state not far from Oklahoma. They, I guess they border Oklahoma. They're not far from Texas. But they have that sort of, yes, Midwestern feel, but especially in southeastern Colorado, they seem to be kind of more like a North Texas part of the country. And then they've got that area up around Nebraska. And even out west of uh, in Colorado places and great little towns like I've been to Durango, Colorado, just a lovely place, old West type place. But then you got Denver and you got all these places that the people that like to smoke up things go to the, the ski towns and uh, boy, oh boy, have they been run over. Now this is my take on it. I'd love to talk to somebody who was a native person from that state and get 
their opinion, how could a state like Colorado just change in 10 years? I think it's been about 10 years. And they have a blue wave for sure going on down the ski slopes of Colorado. Trump, again, off the ballot, according to the Colorado Supreme Court, that's going to get challenged. We'll find out if Trump survives, Colorado at least, in 2024. Senator Tim Scott, I made this mistake in the first hour. I'm sure this happens all the time. Senator Rick Scott, Rick Scott, Rick Scott, Rick Scott, Rick Scott. I wonder who was, I guess it was Tim Scott was a senator first. I think they could have started serving in Senate, the Senate at the same exact time. I know Tim Scott was a congressman from South Carolina before getting elected as a U.S. senator. Rick Scott was a governor of Florida, a two-term governor of Florida before he switched over to the United States Senate. But the Florida senator announcing on Tuesday he's going to donate a portion of his fourth quarter Senate salary to the Florida Holocaust Museum, which is located in St. Petersburg. And a statement from Tim Scott. A statement, man, I got some real Scott issues here. A statement from Rick. He says, Ann and I are proud to support the mission of the Florida Holocaust Museum and its dedication to educating Floridians on the horrors of the Holocaust. Holocaust. Our country is witnessing a disgusting rise in anti-Semitic events, and these terrible incidents have only grown more frequent and vile since Iran-backed Hamas terrorists attacked Israel on October 7th. The Florida Holocaust Museum serves as a beacon of light and a reminder that while the Jewish people have endured thousands of years of hate and persecution, we will never let hate win and destroy Israel or the Jewish people. The Florida Holocaust Museum was also a cause so important to our dear friend Mel Simbler, who we lost earlier this year. Mel spent so much of his life as a voice for the Jewish people and supporting Israel. We are proud to honor his legacy with this donation today. And again, Senator Rick Scott of Florida giving a big donation to the Florida Holocaust Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida. The museum is dedicated to educating visitors about the horrors of the Holocaust and the dangers of anti-Semitism. Senator Scott said he has donated his Senate salary since taking office in 2019 and promised that more donation announcements would be coming before the end of this week. So it's a tradition for him to give away his entire U.S. Senate salary. He is a very wealthy guy. He's done quite well. That's how he got involved in politics. He did very well in the business life. A former Navy officer, Rick Scott. So if you're wondering, how much does a United States senator make according to the congressional salaries and allowances portion of the congressional.gov? It's congress.gov website. I pulled this up on an article called CRS Reports. The compensation for most senators, representatives, delegates, and the resident commissioner from Puerto Rico, they all equal, according to this website, $174,000. $174,000 is how much you make for being either a congressman or a United States senator. And they, according to this article I pulled up, 
have not had a raise in pay since 2009. 2009. $174,000. Do you think you could make it on 174000 a year? Well, Rick Scott sure seems to be making it just fine. I wonder what George Santos, the guy that the guy that just got kicked out of Congress, hundred and seventy four thousand was probably five times more than he's ever made in his life prior to being elected as a congressman. Now he's been kicked out, and now he's making money off of OnlyFans and what is that other cameo? I don't think he's doing OnlyFans. I should retract that George Santos my apologies sir but yes it's 174 a year for United States senators elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today a woman has posed as a waffle house worker and she did this for two hours in the Atlanta area I wonder where you get a waffle house uniform well this woman sure enough did that and police say the woman actually came in and posed as a Waffle House worker, actually worked for two hours at the Waffle House at 6544 Highway 85 in the Atlanta area. This is in Riverdale specifically, where the woman posed as a worker at the Waffle House. Then, yeah, of course, then she stole cash from that Waffle House in Riverdale, south of Atlanta, right by the airport. And uh, she worked hard to steal that money there, and she got away with it. Anyone with information or who knows the woman should contact the Riverdale, Georgia Police Department, 770-996-3382. They've got a picture of her there at the Waffle House in Clayton County, Georgia. Sure enough, wearing that waffle. I mean, she's got on like a hoodie. She does have on the Waffle House looking shirt, but she's got that Waffle House hat that's a nice hat i'd like to have you know the cooks at waffle house always have those baseball caps on but she 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 ended up working for about two hours before she opened up that cash drawer and took off and now riverdale georgia police wants your help if you can help them find the waffle house burglar riverdale police department is available at 770-996-3382-770 Nine nine six three three eight two. Let's catch this Waffle House bad lady there in Riverdale, Georgia. Coming up on the show about the South, we've got Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group standing by as we have the holiday coming up on Monday. What does that mean for the markets? Are people going to be putting a little extra something something in the Christmas stocking this year because they've had a good year? with all their investments and more. That discussion with Paul is coming right up. If you've got something you want to ask Paul, feel free to do just that. We welcome all your feedback here on the show that shakes the Southland. We're the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com.
get ready, set, go. Gonna take you to the crystal and a picture show. Well, the sky's the limit, there's no price too high. Baby, you're the apple of my eye. Got my paycheck in my pocket and some gas in the tank. Honey, your love's better than money in the bank. We like our money in the bank. We like it when Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group stops by. The Y'all Show, we normally have him here on Fridays, but because we will be off on Friday, Paul has adjusted his very busy schedule and has agreed to come on today on The Y'all Show as we discuss all things Southern, and that includes Southern money. And we like that Southern money, Paul. Welcome in to you, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How are you? Uh, You got a big one planned? No, I don't. Help me out. Give me some of that money. (laughs) Oh man! That, Listen, uh, we're we're doing we're doing uh, the day after Christmas. Me and the boys are heading out to do a a, a guy trip. And uh, well, you already told me to, you were heading to Kentucky. Is that the guy's yeah, trip? That's the guy trip. Me and the boys. Uh-huh. So we're gonna go up there, uh, uh, do a little bourbon tour, go see Secretariat, the stuff about Secretariat at Paris, Kentucky, and just have a good uh, father son time. So that's awesome. Uh, what will what will what will the honey the boss lady what will she be doing while y'all are off doing that? Probably staying at the house with a uh, glass of wine and enjoying the peace and quiet. I oh. imagine. Okay, she's not off on a girls' trip. <laughs> no, 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 no. Somebody's got to stay here. Somebody said, "Are you worried about your wife being home alone?" And I said, "No, I worry about anybody trying to break in because she can uh, break twenty three out of twenty five on the skeet range with a twelve gauge shotgun." She shot 92 out of 100 with a 9 millimeter on her pistol qualification, and uh, she likes to shoot AR-15. So uh, there ain't nothing in this house worth losing your life over if you try to break in with Ruth in here. So mm. that's, yeah. that's why that's why we fly straight at, at our home. Especially you. You know, normally wives and husbands have arguments. You, you, it doesn't sound like you have too many arguments. I say the six two-word sentences, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, yes, ma'am, forgive me, don't shoot. I got it covered. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And we started off this discussion with you, Paul, talking about money. And there's an old (laughs) adage that money solves just about everything. Is that true, sir? No. No, money can't buy you happiness. It can buy you things, but it can't buy you happiness, so... I tell people, let's you know, let's be happy with life. Let's design our program around what makes you happy, and you know, um, let's make sure that you're not buying things that uh, two or three years later are worthless. So, you know, we just try to try to teach people. It's the best thing to do is just enjoy life, and uh, you know, make sure that you're happy. Because I've never seen a U-Haul hooked up to a hearse, so. You just, you know, you go on. Hmm. That's my philosophy. That's my philosophical moment for the day. There's no, I've never seen a U-Haul hooked up to a hearse. Well, I'm going to try to prove you wrong on that one. Well, it, it, <laughs> it may be empty, though. It'll be hooked up, but it may be okay. empty. That's what, I, that's what I tell people. So, anyhow, 
Uh, what we're seeing, you're seeing the 10-year. It's still going down. Um, we're seeing a little you – now, we're still seeing the rally. Well, I told you about the fourth quarter rally, so we're going to see that. Uh, they're talking rate cuts could happen in uh, May, uh, March. We think they're going to happen toward June. Uh, everybody I've talked to is thinking more toward June. We also uh, are looking at earnings and the economy getting softer. Uh, we may we may see that 2.5% inflation toward the end of the fourth quarter of 2024. We're expecting inflation to be around 3 to 4% maybe if you do true inflation. Three to four percent uh, in um, uh, the first quarter, maybe the first half of 2024. But uh, we're, we're we could see the 2.5. Now, if we see the 2.5 percent inflation, that's because we've seen a small recession kick in. So, uh, do I think it'll be a big one? No, I don't. But we're probably going to see the market uh, next year. I'm predicting, uh, well, I'm saying from what I've heard from other people, probably anywhere from a 4% growth down to a 6% reduction. So uh, it's going to be that. I know that's a 10-point swing, but we we really don't know how people are going to react to the rate cuts because everybody says, oh, rate cuts means risk on. Well, yeah, it does. But if you're trying to control inflation, you know, part of it, uh, that cost of inflation is personnel. And you're now watching uh, companies cut back on hiring. So I know that's a lot I've said right there, but that's what we're hearing. So, All right. Paul here. Hair Financial Group, if you've got questions and you want to set up a time to meet with Paul, call 731-664-0047. The Hair Financial Group, an insurance and investment agency Awaiting your call, 731-664-0047. So it is holiday time, Paul, and mm-hmm. I guess all will be closed Monday on on Wall Street. Will they also be closed Friday? Um, if they, I'll be honest with you, I haven't checked. I think what they'll probably do is if they do anything, uh, it'll be a short trade day Friday. Okay. Uh, but I've not seen anything come across yet. I've been, I've been mainly getting things done, make sure everybody's got their uh, RMD out the door, uh, required minimum distribution before uh, December 31st. And I try to tell everybody, you know, we're we're going to get that done. And I've only got probably oh ten left, but uh, we'll have them done by the end of the uh, by the end of this week. Uh, you've got people who will procrastinate. Yeah, I can't guarantee that RMD will be, uh, and I tell clients this, that require minimum distribution. I cannot guarantee it will be out after uh, the, uh, if you come see me on the 20th, I can't guarantee it's going to get out. And everybody goes, well, why are you saying that? And I said, because I told you we needed to have it done by the 15th to guarantee the end of the year distribution. So. We're doing well. We're working hard and heavy over on uh, North Parkway where the office is. So. Yeah. All right. I'm telling so, everybody, you know, it's just it's fun. It's not fun, but we're trying to get it done. And tell me, as a guy who doesn't have an RMD to worry about, 
is this something that people are trying to get done so they can get money or is it for more of a tax thing well it's uh it's a uh money get money out of their 401k now um this year they increased it to age 73 so if you are age 70 and you thought you had to pull it out at 70 and a half or if you're age 71 thinking you had to pull it out at age 72 no you don't uh they've increased it to 73 and by uh 2030 it'll be up to age 75 so there you have the federal government has backed up the required minimum distribution age uh made it uh you have to be older so they're they're realizing now that people are living longer so they're backing that up but you have to draw it's required draw out it's required withdrawal out of qualified plans such as 403Bs, 401Ks, IRAs. You don't have to do it on Roth, uh, but it's anything that was pre-tax that is uh, you put money in, it is, you've got you to start drawing it out. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, what, what, are, we, what are we telling clients to get ready for for the first of the year? Uh Let's take some profit off the table, put it, not all profit, but some profit off the table, put it in some safe, secure investments. Let's see what's going to happen the first 45 days. And then, uh, you know, we can put some risk on if we need to, but we're not really not going to take a lot of the principal out of the market. We're going to let it run. Paul, one thing I want to ask you about as far as the whole Nation, yes, but the South specifically. We had a story earlier today about how the U.S. has added 1.6 million people since 2022, and the South was sort of the leader in that as the South dominated population gains. South Carolina specifically had the fastest-growing state in the country. Florida, Texas growing. Of course, we know Tennessee, Kentucky, and more. This is a part of the world people want to move to. How does that help us out financially in this part of the world to have more people moving well, here? Well, how it helps us out, one, is it's creation of jobs. You have more service-oriented jobs. You can even have more manufacturing jobs. That's probably what's bringing in a uh, good portion of these people. Uh, and also that uh, increases the cost of housing. If you're trying to sell a house, that's good. If you're trying to buy a house, that's bad trying to rent an apartment that's really bad but uh you know because of the cost is up but it's increasing that it's also uh increasing people for maintenance such as <laughs> excuse me highways government jobs things of that nature you're seeing uh that i mean more people are coming on board and as more people move in the area it's going to be more need for <laughs> public services excuse me so that you're going to see a lot of that so that hopefully that answers that question yeah i mean i guess compared to an area like new york state where they're having population declines right which costs them more money because they got to maintain their current infrastructure their current uh political uh, uh you know system and if you got less people in the area, that means more tax increases. So, and it could also bring our, and theoretically, it could bring our taxes down, but it's never done that in ever. We've never had a tax cut. Uh, so we, yeah. But 
means more money coming in, which means more revenue for the state, which means more things can be done. Yes, sir. Paul Hare, Hare Financial Group, 731-664-0047. Paul, we're not going to be able to con- uh, converse next week because you're going to have bourbon on your mind. So this is our last chance to talk to you before 2024 arrives. Your thoughts right. on anything people need to do before this year wraps, and then maybe some thoughts on 2024 and all that financially. Okay, uh, if you if you haven't, you still can di- wait until um, to April to do your uh, HSA contribution. But let's go ahead and do it, get it in, get it taken care of. Uh, that will automat- that stuff will automatically roll over into twenty twenty four. If you can, max out your four hundred one k, max out your four hundred three b. Sit down, make look at see what's going on as far as. Uh, what deductions you can take as a business deduction. Uh, I recommend people look at that. I've started working with a lot of preachers, and so I try to advise them on how to uh, reduce their taxes as far as uh, uh, studies, as far as housing, and anything like that. It's just a matter of just sitting down and planning it out. I work with three really good accounting firms. I work with two really good estate planning lawyers, so... Uh, if you're needing to do that, go ahead and get those appointments set up for 2024. Going into 2024, we're going to we're going to do some purchases into the market. It's going to be probably some small cap, maybe even some uh, large cap re- uh, value. But we're going to look at the first 45 days to see what what holds for the first six months of 2024 and what could basically hold out for the rest of the year. Wait and see what happens with, uh, if rate cuts are coming and, uh, but just understand they're not going to be as drastic as the market has, has priced in. We're not going to see 130 basis point cut. We're going to see probably a 65 basis point cut, which that could pull down the market some, but, you know, just be ready. That's what I tell everybody. Be ready. We're going to be nimble. We're going to be quick. So, hmm. kind of like Jack, Paul. Yeah. Paul, what about twenty twenty four? Is there anything weird that's going to start showing up in twenty twenty four that people need to be aware of financially? Well, it's going to probably be the last year you can do Roth conversions and get away with the lowest tax rate in the history of our country. So, if you're looking at doing some Roth conversions, do it. Do it quickly. Um, you can go ahead and do, if you can this year, to get one done this year and get one done next year. If your taxes are going to be, if your income is going to be lower next year, then that's when we need to do it. 2024, uh, just hope and pray that they keep some of the tax cuts that were implemented under Trump. They keep it in because if they do not and we go back, you're going to see a 25 to 40% increase uh, taxes across the board not just for the rich uh but for the uh middle class and the lower income class is all going to experience a huge rate increase uh as far as tax payment so get ready if they do not do something with those tax cuts Hmm. so paul thank you for being on with us this year and happy happy new year early of course a very merry christmas to you and yours and you realize, I'm sure, as well as most of our audience, that this is not just about giving Christmas gifts and having a good time. There's a reason for the season. Amen. There is a reason for the season, and we try to tell everybody point blank, 
just remember uh, what you may have monetarily may not be what you are blessed with that God's put in your life. And so uh, be thankful for the, the, the things in life that money can't buy. That's love, friends, family, and peace. So just enjoy the season, enjoy life, and be thankful for the blessings that you have. The Hare Financial Group, an insurance and investment agency. You can reach them, 731-664-0047. And, Paul, before we say goodbye to you, give me that one last Christmas gift of the year. Well, okay. If you think it's a gift, I'm a registered rep of Securities America, SIPC. Yes, very nicely wrapped for us here on the Y'all Show. Enjoy your time in bourbon country, and we'll see you in 2024. Paul Hare, thank you, sir. See you in 2024. All right. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We will come right back. Speaking of Christmas, I've got a breakdown of where you can go eat on Christmas Day if you're needing a place to eat. Oh, yeah. All that is coming right up. Two more days of Christmas shopping, hustle bustle never stopping, too much left for me to do, no time to relax, running here and running there, fighting traffic everywhere, cash is thin and credit cards are charged up to the max, I can't help but wonder is it getting out of hand? What's happened to that old-time Christmas cheer? I'm another weary shopper in this crowded line I stand And I vow I won't do this again next year But on Christmas morning With the presents waiting underneath the tree Christmas morning With my family by the fire close to me When I look into my children's eyes It's then and there I realize It's more than worth the price I have to pay All the smooth sounds of Steve Noel Warner here on the Y'all Show. Trying to keep you awake as I sit here and talk about this. I'm John Rawl, and that is the the guy, my number one guy right there, Steve Warner. And from his CD, Christmas Memories on Christmas Morning, Steve Born on Christmas Day. Happy birthday, Steve Warner. Steve Noel Warner. His middle name really is Noel. And what a fantastic song. He's got a couple of really, really good Christmas songs, including Tennessee Christmas. If you've never heard his version of that Amy Grant written song, man, did he nail it. Steve Warner here. And on Christmas morning, Steve, if you're uh, you're not doing anything and your family, Karen and the kids, don't want to hang out with you, give me a call. Maybe we can meet up somewhere around Franklin where you live. And we'll do something. I don't know where exactly in Franklin, but let me tell you, according to usatoday.com, as we wrap up our number two today of the Y'all Show, they've got an article that Gabe 
Harry has penned, it's called, What Restaurants Are Open on Christmas Day 2023? Are your favorite restaurants going to be open in case you don't have somebody cooking for you? Or you're just not wanting to cook on Christmas Day? Makes sense. I'm sure like many of you out there, I've had more than one Christmas where I had to go find a place to eat. I think last year, one of my Christmas meals was from the local gas station. And I had me a good corn dog on Christmas. Yeah, pretty sad, huh? (laughs) But I enjoy it. It was good. But if you just happen to be at a spot where it just doesn't work out this year for you to be with family or someone's not cooking for you, or you're being lazy and not cooking yourself, you need to have a place to go and have a Christmas meal. So let me tell you about some places open on Christmas Day. First of all, McDonald's store hours will vary by location. But you can go to McDonald's website and they'll have the hours for your local McDonald's restaurant posted there. Now, I can tell you definitively a place that I spent a long time on Tuesday hanging out doing some work. Chick-fil-A will not be open on Christmas. On Monday, Christmas Day, no Chick-fil-A. Okay? Are we all right on that? Yes, we are. Now, Starbucks open in select locations. You need to check their website out as store hours vary by location for that Starbucks. Also, Duncan is going to be a little bit all over the map in terms of their store hours if they're open at all. Cracker Barrel good Tennessee-based company, Cracker Barrel, will not be open on Christmas Day. Waffle House will be open. All Waffle House locations will be open on Christmas, and I have had Waffle House Christmas meals more than once. And it's actually kind of fun in there. The, The staff usually wears the little elf hats, and it's a it's a festive mood in Waffle House, and there's usually a pretty big crowd on Christmas Day in a Waffle House. So check it out if you've never been to a Waffle House on Christmas. And their upper-level management make a big deal of coming in and working. The CEO of Waffle House will be working on Christmas Day at a Waffle House franchise somewhere. And it's just, I mean, they make a really, really nice deal of of Christmas there at Waffle House. Thank you, Waffle House. Taco Bell, hours for Taco Bell. You know, nothing says Christmas like a Taco Bell, okay? And Taco Bell, some of their hours, some of their locations could be open. You need to check as hours vary by location. Go to their website for Taco Bell to find out if your local Taco Bell will be open. Same thing for Popeye's and Burger King. According to this usatoday.com article, Burger King stores holiday hours vary by location. Krispy Kreme, all locations of Krispy Kreme donuts will be closed on Christmas. No fresh donuts right out of the donut maker on Christmas Day. That's, That's sad. But you know, I can help. This North Carolina-based company founded in North Carolina Krispy Kreme, as bad as that is, that Krispy Kreme will not be open on Monday, December 25th, I've got some great news for you. The great news is that Florida-founded and South Carolina-led Hooters 
Hooters is going to be open starting at 4 o'clock until their regular closing time on Christmas Day. You know, you got a lot of football on Monday. I guess NFL games at least and maybe some college games. And Hooters will be a great place on Christmas night for you to consider going to. I haven't had a Hooters. I love their fried chicken sandwich that's got the buffalo sauce on it. It might be called a buffalo chicken sandwich with the tomato and lettuce and I guess some mayonnaise on there too. Fantastic if you've not had it. And I like Hooters french fries and then they've got Pepsi products usually. And the John combination at Hooters is to get the chicken sandwich, the fries, and then get a Mountain Dew. Now, that's redneck at its finest right there at at Hooters. Now, the sad thing is there are not that many Hooters left. I don't know what happened that as a society, we've kind of made Hooters go away in a lot of places. But, man, they're they're harder and harder to find. But I'm going to have to find me one on Christmas. It's been at least two years since I've been in a Hooters. And that was just down the road from Clemson when I was passing through on I-85. Clemson, by the way, the alma mater of Hooters founder Robert Brooks. He was a big Clemson supporter. Might be part of the reason the Hooters logo is orange. Maybe. I didn't have it. I had a chance to interview him one time. I should have asked him that question. He passed away 20 years ago, sadly. But Hooters open on Christmas. Elsewhere, we've got a breakdown of restaurants that will be definitely closed according to their websites and more. Restaurants definitely closed on Christmas this year. Outback Steakhouse. Almost all KFC locations closed. Only a few Buffalo Wild Wings will be open. Most will be closed. Texas Roadhouse will be closed on Christmas Day. P.F. Chang's closed. Chili's Grill and Bar closed. Red Robin, yum. No yum on Monday. They'll be closed. Athens, Georgia's own Zaxby's closed on Monday. Whataburger out of Texas. They'll be closed come Monday. And the best thing to do, again, if you're wanting to go eat somewhere else, is if you have the opportunity to check out the websites for the respective place that you're trying to go to and see if they are indeed open. But there are at least a few that will be open, most notably Waffle House and Chick-fil-A. No, no, not Chick-fil-A. I'm thinking of chicken. Waffle House and Hooters. Those we know for sure will be open at least at some point on Christmas Day. Maybe you could start your day off with a little Waffle House breakfast and then you can splurge in a big way on Christmas Day and head over to the Hooters for either, well, they're not open. Most of them are not opening until 4, according to that article. So you've got your dinner plan set up with a little prime time Hooters hot wings and some football, some Monday night football to get your Christmas 2023 all wrapped up nicely. Most of you, though, have plenty of other options besides trying to eat somewhere else on the holiday. You've got family that you can go visit. Maybe you're cooking 
for family. And so this article from USA Today is not ever, not even really that big of a deal for you. But in case you're one of those people, and I've been one of those people, that I need to have a place to go to Christmas Day, hey, this is a great, great, great article. What restaurants are open on Christmas Day 2023? Check it out at usatoday.com. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time I was on, uh, I went to a Waffle House on Christmas Day, but that's been about that's been about five years ago for me. I went to an IHOP on Christmas Day. This article didn't mention IHOP, but I specifically went to an IHOP Christmas of 2020. How do I know that? Crazy me jogged 300 miles during the middle and latter, latter months of 2020 when the pandemic was going on and i timed it out where i actually reached my 300th mile of running on christmas day and my reward was to go get a shower and head off to the ihop because i knew it was open and i got me a nice strawberry pancake (laughs) and then i gained about 100 pounds and haven't run since but no i'm just kidding merry christmas all y'all hopefully that article will help you out We've got Hour 3 headed your way right after this on The Y'all Show. got history in a big way coming up in this final hour of the y'all show as the virginia company had a big role in american history on this date way back in the day also it was december 20th of 1860 that in charleston south carolina they had a secession convention and they left out there on meeting street with south carolina seceding from the union and becoming its own independent republic we'll tell you about that Also, we've got some famous folks with birthdays today, including a member of the Black Crows. All that's coming up in our Southern History Spotlight later this hour. Also, we've got some humor to leave you with here on this Wednesday Y'all Show. We've got the best Christmas joke ever. (laughs) Well, that's what it's being labeled as. And we'll go let you hear that Christmas joke that Caleb Elliott, John Christ, and Derek Stroop all had a hand in telling. That's coming up later in the hour. John Rawl is my name. It's the show all about the South. We are the Y'all Show. And it's a pleasure to be back here as we broadcast on great stations across the region. And we're also in podcast form on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple Podcasts and Apple iTunes. And lo and behold, we are posted at y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com. The South homepage. All of our episodes are absolutely free to listen to and they're free to share. And we encourage you to check them out as that would be a great, great option for you to, to, to talk about on Christmas Day. 
is y'all. You know, that, is that asking too much? I, I don't think so, but check it out, y'all.com. Let's start off with some news headlines of the day and some opinion, and we even have some text coming in to the Y'all Show that we appreciate. By the way, you can text us anytime here at the Y'all Show, no matter where you're listening to us or what time of day you're listening to us. We have our text line of 615-208-4184. You can email us, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L dot com, mail y'all dot com. So we'll get to some opinion here in a second, but the, the story of the day politically is the Colorado Supreme Court has now in a 4-3 decision, decided to kick Donald Trump off of its ballot for the Colorado primary coming up in a few months. And the Trump team surely going to appeal to the Supreme Court and try to get this overturned. But that's the big story that broke Monday, uh, rather Tuesday evening from Colorado. Trump has put out a social media statement and I saw saw it, but didn't pay close enough attention. But I think it's, I think he said something to the effect that it's a sad day for America. I think that's what I saw. He said, so he's not saying all that much. At least he didn't say it even Tuesday night when the news broke. He didn't bring this up at all at his rally that he was doing at the time in, let's see, I think he was in Iowa Tuesday night. So, what's the strategy there for President Trump? on this decision by Colorado to kick him off of the ballot. We've got feedback from you. We got feedback from me. Let's go ahead and let me do the courtesy here and get you some feedback from you, the listener as a texter has sent this in texter says, I found this on Newsbreak. polls say that Tennessee voters prefer Trump. The recent poll proves that Tennessee voters prefer Trump over Biden. Well, that's that's not exactly earth-shattering news here from Newsbreak on this story. I'm not trying to sound like a wise guy, but according to this poll from this organization, Newsbreak.com, 56% of all Republican voters are picking Trump. 56 for Trump. DeSantis at 20% and Nikki Haley at 12%. So Trump has a 46% lead over Haley and DeSantis, it looks like, in this poll that shows that Tennesseans prefer Trump. Now, what about a potential Trump versus Biden matchup from this particular group of folks voting? This is a Vanderbilt poll, by the way, that Newsbreak has put out there a Vanderbilt poll of statewide issues interviews conducted with over a thousand registered voters between November 14th and December the 2nd but Trump with a commanding lead in one of our southern states and this is also the case in every other southern state this is the case in every state there's not one state even Florida where Ron DeSantis is from where it's even close South Carolina, where you'll have your first primary in the South, a state that Nikki Haley once was the governor. She is trailing Trump big time, bigly, in the Palmetto State. So let's get into my thoughts on Colorado's decision, their Supreme Court, and a 4-3 decision. These were seven justices that were all appointed 
by a Democratic leadership or they were picked, they were they they are Democrats. And three did not go along with the majority decision. This was a not a unanimous decision to keep Trump off of the primary ballot in the state of Colorado. So my thoughts on it, first of all, the real, if you go into the weeds of their decision, it was all based on January 6th. It's based on the fact that they call Trump's actions insurrection. It's all a violation of the 14th Amendment. And I am sorry, the 14th Amendment should be thrown out. And the elements of the 14th Amendment that are still relevant can be revised as a new amendment. But the 14th Amendment, a large portion of it has to do with rebuilding the country in the years after the Civil War. And the 14th Amendment was designed in a lot of ways to keep Confederates off of the rolls, to keep them from voting, from from being elected. That was the original decision, a reason behind the 14th Amendment, at least the sections of it that have to do with insurrection, different articles of it. Guess what, y'all? If you haven't gone back and looked, there were, despite the 14th Amendment being in place, and it was passed at a time where most of the legislatures in the South were dominated by former slaves, it was a Republican-led South for about seven, eight years after the Civil War. Then they had a complete change, and Republicans, in most cases, did not have a single seat in any of our state governments for nearly 100 years. And so this was a banana republic there for a while, and and some people would say for 100 years, but certainly in the years of which the smoke was still smoldering following the Civil War, we had a complete mockery of government, in my opinion, in most of our southern states. And, I mean, I just saw in an hour or two, we played a Justin Moore song. He is a guy from Arkansas. Arkansas was a very southern state in the 1800s, and it was a very much a Confederate state. The county of which country music singer Justin Moore is from is Grant County, in Arkansas. Now, why would they name a county after a Union officer, the leader of the Union Army at the end of the Civil War, a guy that would go on to be president? They named it that because at the time they named it after Grant because the folks that did the naming were all in charge of Arkansas's government. They were all Republicans right after the Civil War. That's how that happened. That's why there is a Lincoln County in Mississippi, for God's sakes. And it's not named after General Benjamin Lincoln of the Revolutionary War like Lincoln County, Tennessee is. Lincoln County in Mississippi is named after Abraham Lincoln. And it was named that way in those years just after the war by a partisan Republican crowd that was leading that state. And I can't believe that Mississippians didn't go back in at some point and change it to Jefferson Davis County. I'm just kidding. There already is a Jefferson Davis County in Mississippi and one in Georgia, too. I think there could even be one in Texas. It may be just called Jeff Davis County. But Republicans 
kind of took over these state legislatures in those couple of years after the Civil War, and they were carpetbaggers, and they were former slaves, for the most part, that were Republicans. And then you had the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. You had the Red Shirts in South Carolina, for example, a Klan-like group that forced the Republicans off of ballots and got them out of there, and therefore, from that point on, it was Democrats going forward, but not the Democrats of today. I want to make sure that's very clear. I am tired of hearing a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republican-leaning talk shows even, and talk show hosts, say how bad the the Democrats are because of what they did back in the 1800s and even into the 1900s with the Jim Crow laws and more. That's completely irrelevant with today's modern Democrats. They have nothing to do with the Democrats of segregation. A lot of times people like Mark Levin bring that up just to bash Democrats. They like to bash Democrats because of the fact that the South primarily had been a Democratic-leaning portion of the country up until Richard Nixon's time. And Ronald Reagan helped definitely convert people from D to R. And Donald Trump, in a big way, helped people in the South get behind the Republican cause. So by Colorado, on Tuesday, kicking him off the ballot, the thought on that is that other states are going to try to mimic what Colorado's done the Democrats, the liberals, the 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 never Trumpers, more importantly, the TDSers out there, the Trump derangement syndromes, will absolutely do nothing short of an insurrection to keep Trump from being president. I think they would sacrifice their own children to keep him off the ballot. They they have such a hatred of Donald Trump, and I don't understand it. I don't need to sit here and go through the incredible accomplishments of his administration. You cannot deny that he did a lot of great things in his time. The worst thing he did was COVID, but who the hell would have done better than he did at the time? It was a disaster. And Trump, all he was doing was trying to put a positive spin and not keep the country from completely going bonkers and going into a complete upheaval because we had the first time in a hundred years a pandemic going on and his successor joe biden won that position of president due in part to the fact that he was telling people i'm gonna end covid i'm gonna stop covid trump handled it terrible guess what trump lost give or take three three to four hundred thousand americans died while he was president joe biden's had over a million people die and I don't want to bash Biden for that. I mean, it's not really it's not really anybody's fault except for China bringing this thing over here. But here domestically, we we don't want to see people die. We don't want people to suffer. And we just didn't have an answer to it. We still don't have an answer to it. I mean, I just heard in the news earlier today, there's a new strain of COVID that's been detected. And so... 
Biden, what he did by bashing Trump's handling of COVID, in my opinion, was uncalled for. But a lot of people fell for it. And then the impeachment hoaxes, certainly Biden used that against Trump. And that, those all were fake. They were fake, fake, fake. The hatred of him is so much. Now, sometimes he doesn't help his calls out with the way he acts. But let me tell you about some of these Trump derangement syndromes and these people that absolutely hate Trump. I heard in the last 24 hours some of them coming to his defense. In fact, all of Trump's Republican contenders right now, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, They've all come to his defense in a different way over this whole Colorado decision. They they don't believe that a certain state should have the right to kick off a person from the ballot. And again, Colorado's Supreme Court is reaching way back into the 14th Amendment to try to justify their decision. That was a 19th century amendment to keep former Confederates from running for office. Well, guess what? It didn't work out too good. And that's why I told you we need to throw away the 14th Amendment because it's irrelevant. And how do I know that? There were several former Confederates that went on to serve as United States senators and congressmen and were governors of their states and even had some show up in the executive branch of the United States government, not as a president or vice president, but at least one I know served in a cabinet position in the late 19th century. And his name was LQC Lamar, who also was a United States Supreme Court justice. LQC Lamar. Oxford's own. And so, yes, he is a great example of how that 14th Amendment is hogwash. And I don't want to hear any more about Trump is not eligible because of the 14th Amendment when the 14th Amendment's already been humiliated, in my opinion. Wade Hampton, a Confederate cavalry commander, the largest slaveholder prior to the start of the Civil War in all of America was General Wade Hampton. And guess what? In the late 1800s, he was a United States senator from his South Carolina. He was a governor. His statue is on the Capitol grounds in a big way on the backside, the side that's not all that often seen in Columbia. But his presence was very, very much felt in the halls of the United States government. And he was a former Confederate. He was Robert E. Lee's cavalry commander after Jeb Stewart got killed in 1864. And so how in the hell can they try to cite the 14th Amendment and the fact they tried to keep these former Confederates off in the justification for keeping Trump off? That's, again, as I said, hogwash. And I'm not happy about it. Can you tell? I wish somebody would listen to me. Donald Trump needs to bring me on the payroll and have me defend him. And I need to go to Colorado and just knock some of these people's legal judgment 
<laughs> out of the park because they don't know what they're talking about. And I, I just, I don't, I don't get. There's a lot we could all say. I want to know what you have to say about this, and that's why we have our various ways of communicating with the y'all show. And another thing I noticed on Tuesday, some of these never Trumpers were coming to Trump's defense. John Bolton, I saw him interviewed the guy that was once in the George H, no George W. Bush administration, that went and worked briefly with Trump, and then. They were at odds and still are at odds. Bolton said that this whole Colorado approach was wrong and it's not going to work. He said that. And you had others that came out in Trump's defense on this. And the really, really fascinating aspect of this Colorado decision is how is this going to help or hurt Donald Trump politically? And one of the reports I saw said this is not going to do anything but help him. Frank Luntz, the pollster, said that this was a, uh, I don't know if he used the word death blow, but it was, if it wasn't a death blow, it's pretty dang close to being a death blow to the political campaigns of Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Because he said, because of this Colorado decision, we're about, three and a half weeks away from the Iowa caucus and the media attention is now going to be back to Trump because of this, despite Haley supposedly gaining and maybe DeSantis really could emerge right at the top in Iowa. Well, all of that still is irrelevant since Trump's going to be dominating the headlines with this whole pending appeal to the United States Supreme court. And as Frank Luntz pointed out, Trump has benefited from all of the indictments that have come across his way. And why would he not benefit from the Supreme Court, or rather the Supreme Court of Colorado, not the U.S. Supreme Court, pulling this little trick? And now we're on a holding pattern of whether the U.S. Supreme Court is going to take up this case. And I'm sure they will. But Frank Luntz, the, I guess he's a respected pollster out there. He used to be on Fox News all the time. I don't know where he is now th- these days. But he says this is only going to help Donald Trump. And I think it will. I really do. Because it goes to the narrative of what Trump's always talking about. It's me versus them. It's them doing everything they can to keep me from winning Winning, winning. We're going to do so much winning. You're going to come to Trump and you're going to say, Mr. Trump, I need you to stop winning. President Trump, we just can't take it anymore. Please stop. And Trump's going to say, I can't do it. We've got to keep winning. I'm sorry. I'm channeling his 2016 election rhetoric. But he was winning in a lot of ways on a lot of different things from China to the border to what else is just completely out of, I mean, world safety. We didn't have wars when Trump was in office. And as he said, Vladimir Putin would have never invaded Ukraine at the time that he was in office. We had cheap gas. We had cheap prices. This inflation thing is embarrassing. Embarrassing. I I got something... I got something in the mail 
where an item I've been paying for every year has gone up in price more than 100%. No excuse. And they used the high cost. I, I have the letter around here somewhere. They used the inflation as an excuse. You don't raise people's prices by more than doubling what they're already paying. It's an inter- incremental increase. And that is commonplace with all kinds of things right now. And so Trump's got a lot of his his whole, some people would say, crybaby approach that he's been using for a while of they're against me. See, they're, they're going to do everything they can to stop me. And you know what? The decision by Colorado Supreme Court is an example of 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 just that. They are to use the liberal talking points here, using an unprecedented and historic move in a four three decision to try to keep him from being on the ballot. Never before have you seen a Supreme Court of any type in this country try to keep somebody off the ballot for. A fake insurrection. If you were a conservative during that whole 2019-2020 time period, you had to watch over 500 Black Lives Matter rallies go on in this country with dozens of people being killed and unbelievable amounts of buildings being destroyed and people being injured and law enforcement being attacked in most cases, completely innocent law enforcement people that were being attacked literally and figuratively. And if you were a conservative, you had to just sit there and watch the news, and it just made you so freaking mad. And on January 6th, it was the one time conservatives, at least, had that notice, hey, we can at least do something about it on this one day. We can share and show our our ticked offness we're we're mad and we're gonna do something about it president trump's invited us to washington dc we're gonna go and you know what a million of them went and that's great that's what america's about is showing in a organized and civilized way your frustration with something you can protest we have the right to protest in this country a million or so folks did that now about a thousand people went into the united states capitol and they shouldn't have done that And the authorities, if they want to spank them for that, they can. Now, serving 5, 10, 15 years in prison for that is asinine, in my opinion. And should somebody, I mean, I've said this before. I think Joe Biden should pardon everybody that went into the Capitol and have already served six months, a year, or whatever. I mean, in a way to heal the country, he should do that. And if Trump gets elected, he definitely should do it. But that that January 6th was an excuse for, for, for conservatives, Republicans, to finally get back into, get on the offensive of this whole protest thing. I mean, have you forgotten about CHOP? Y'all remember CHOP? That was that section of Seattle that they literally just kind of took over and claimed as his own, like, little district. Uh, I mean, just just wild stuff going on and if you're on the conservative spectrum like i am you got tired of hearing about all this stuff you got tired of people shutting down streets and crying and oh 
everything's just messed up and it's all because of trump derangement syndrome in my opinion the whole black lives matter was nothing but a way to get trump out of office they even said it they even got mad when trump when trump lost that the democrats hadn't officially recognized the fact that black lives matter was a big part of the biden victory i could go on and on i better i better hush i'm on a soapbox here but in colorado i got you and your Supreme Court to thank for the soapbox here on the y'all show. Uh, I, I, I think the U.S. Supreme Court's going to throw this thing out, but you know what? They might end up dodging this whole deal, and Trump gets uh, off the ballot. A lot of people with a lot of emotion about this, a lot of things to say. Tommy Tuberville is the U.S. Senator from the state of Alabama, and now he is out talking about what Donald Trump said earlier in the week as at a rally in New Hampshire, Trump said they're poisoning the blood of our country, talking about illegal immigrants. He says they poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, but all over the world. They're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, and that's drawn the ire of people who compare what Trump's poisoning the blood remarks to Nazi Germany. Well, Tuesday, U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama was asked about this, and his response was, Tuberville said, I'm mad that President Trump wasn't tougher than that, because have you seen what's happening at the border? We're being overrun. They're taking us over. So a little bit disappointed it wasn't tougher. (laughs) That from Tommy Tuberville of the state of Alabama. A fourth tornado victim has died in Clarksville, Tennessee. 78-year-old Penny Scroggins has passed away after suffering injuries from that December 9th tornado that passed through Middle Tennessee. She had been hospitalized over the last two weeks after the tornado decimated her mobile home that she shared with her son in Montgomery County and Tennessee. A GoFundMe has been set up to help the Scroggins family with their recovery efforts. Three other Clarksvillians died in the tornado. 10-year-old Arian Cody, 59-year-old Donna Allen, and 34-year-old Stephen Hayes. Three others died in the Nashville area during that terrible day a week and a half ago. And lastly, in our coverage of all things Southern today, want to tell you about Oprah Winfrey as she has invited students at her alma mater, Tennessee State University, to come out for the screening of The Color Purple as she gave an early Christmas gift earlier this week to students, staff, and members of the TSU community to see The Color Purple. She is the producer of this remake of the film that she actually starred in some 25 years ago. And it is a great film that she won a lot of acclaim for and the students uh, at TSU this SGA Student Government Association remember seeing the 1986 film that she starred in so gosh it's been 40 roughly 40 years since The Color Purple originally came out and the remake is hitting theaters this Christmas weekend but it opens Christmas Day and it's got American Idol winner Fantasia Barino in it as well as Oscar-nominated actress Taraj P. Henson in the new remake of The Color Purple. And again, Oprah, Miss TSU Tiger herself, giving out a bunch of free screenings to 
members of the Tennessee State University, the HBCU in Nashville, a chance to check this thing out, the remake of that. So some Christmas movies to tell you about here on the Y'all Show in case you are looking for something exciting to do when Santa's gifts are dropped off and then you're sitting around looking at yourself. You can go check out The Color Purple and the other Christmas movies. We'll tell you about some of those new movies on the Thursday Y'all Show. Let's take a time out, come back, and we'll tell you about some items of history that happened on this day. The Virginia Company, what's that all about? What happened with the Virginia Company on this day in history? We'll discuss that. Plus, is today, December 20th, the day that South Carolina seceded from the Union and the Civil War soon followed in 1860, the day that South Carolina had its ordinance of secession. Plus, we also have a birthday as a member of the Black Crows has a big day today. We've got all that coming right up. Crows out of Atlanta, Chris Robinson, the singer of the Black Crows with a birthday today. Happy 57th birthday to Christopher Mark Robinson, who grew up in the Atlanta suburb of Marietta. More on Mr. Robinson as we continue on. Now some Southern history and more to tell you about on the Y'all Show as we continue on with our Wednesday fun. And it was on this date in history that the Virginia Company was helped establish as an English trading company that was actually chartered by King James I. And this Virginia Company, if you're not familiar with them, some of the first settlers in this country as they got going way back in the 1600s, settling in what we know now as sort of the Jamestown area and more. But a charter by the king back in the early 1600s helped set this company in motion. And sure enough, they launched lots of people to settle in the new world. And we now know of the Virginia Company and its role of settling on the coast of Virginia back in the 1600s. And Soon after, what was it, the 1607 was the year that the first slaves entered the new world here in America, at least there in Virginia. Virginia Company, a trading company, as it was set up there in Old England. It's today an important day in its history. Elsewhere, in our look at other goings on, the Louisiana Purchase has a date 
today that is important as the Louisiana Purchase ended up being sort of green-lighted on this date. The Louisiana Purchase was what the United States used to buy sections of Louisiana, Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, and all of those Midwestern states bought it from France. And it extended the United States' sovereignty across the Mississippi River, and it nearly doubled the size of this country. And it happened during Thomas Jefferson's time in office in 1803 is when it went into place, but a big-time gain. And I went and watched Napoleon the other day. That's the new movie out on Napoleon Bonaparte. And I don't think we could have bought the Louisiana Purchase if not for all the internal struggles of France. I mean, they were at war with England. They had issues with Austria, Russia, and more. And we, as a country, (laughs) we got extremely, extremely lucky to get this 530 million acres, rather 530, yeah, that's right, 530 million acres of land from France and got it from the first French Republic back in 1803. And that set our course. Remember manifest destiny, the goal of stretching from, from the Atlantic to the Pacific and the Louisiana purchase helped lead that. I'm still looking for the purchase price. I know it was a few dollars or francs in this case, since we had to get it from France, but I think it was a pretty good deal. What do you think? South Carolina's Declaration of Secession was passed on this day in history back in 1860. This led South Carolina to go off temporarily and be its own independent republic as the state became the first southern state to secede from the Union. And we saw that other states quickly did the exact same thing. The actual draft of this ordinance of secession was done by a guy named Christopher Memminger, who was born, he was born in Germany. So you got a German-American that ended up coming into Charleston, South Carolina, and was the guy that wrote the ordinance of secession. And he ended up being a major economic advisor in the Jefferson Davis administration, Mr. Memminger. I'm not sure if he was Jewish or not. Of course, Jews were a prominent part of the Charleston community back in that time. And then the Confederate government had as its number three person, Judah Benjamin, the secretary of state, if you will, of the Confederacy. He was a Jewish guy. The, uh, he may still be the highest serving Jew to ever serve in a American branch of government. Judah Benjamin, check that out. But it was on this day in history that South Carolina seceded from the Union. Also on this day in history, the Montgomery bus boycott came to an end. That was the famous boycott that Rosa Parks was part of. And that boycott actually started on a December 5th day in 1955. And it lasted about a year. It lasted up until this day, December 20th of 1956, is when it came to an end and reforms came to Alabama's capital city. But 
that was a major civil rights story of the 1950s, and the Montgomery bus boycott ended on this day in history. Some famous birthdays, one of the classic actresses of the golden age of Hollywood with a birthday, Irene Dunn. Irene was born in Louisville, Kentucky, way back in 1898. She died in 1990, but had a lot of early film roles that you might remember her for, from Leathernecking to Showboat. She's won or nominated for Academy Awards several times. She was in I Remember Mama after World War II. One of the, again, they call her one of the members of the golden age of Hollywood, Irene Dunn, born on this day in history. Former U.S. Senator from the state of Alabama, John Sparkman, was born in 1899, a major Southern Democrat of the 20th century. He first represented the Huntsville area in the U.S. House of Representatives from 1937 to 1948, and then he was elected as a senator for Alabama and served in that role from 1940, I think it's 46, 46, 48, served until 1979. And he was even the Democratic Party's nominee for vice president in the 1952 presidential election, of which Ike, General Eisenhower, won that one. But John Sparkman, born in Morgan County, Alabama, and set up his law practice in Huntsville, after he graduated from the University of Alabama School of Law. And there is a high school in in the Huntsville area called Sparkman High. I believe they're the Rebels, or maybe the Senators, but they're there in Huntsville, his native area. He died in 1985. John Sparkman, longtime politician from Alabama, born on this day. The late politician from Missouri was born on this day. No, no, no. It's not. He wasn't born on this day. His widow was born on this day. And that's the widow of Mel Carnahan, who was the 51st governor of Missouri. He's the one that died in a plane crash in 2000 while he was running for U.S. Senate. And it's actually his widow that today is her birthday. Jean Carnahan, who she took the Senate seat for She was appointed to that Senate seat upon his death, and she served only about a year in that role as the senator for the state of Missouri. But she, again, had been the first lady while he, Mel, was the governor of Missouri. Jean was born on this day back in 1933, so happy 90th birthday to the former senator and former first lady of the Show Me State. And as we told you coming into this segment of all the uh, fun of the Y'all Show. We have a rocker with a birthday today, and that's a member of the Black Crows, Chris Robinson. Chris Robinson, a founder of the Black Crows, which started in Atlanta back in the 1980s. And this is one of their most famous songs that I'm going to play to break here. Chris was born in Marietta and grew up in the Atlanta suburbs. He attended Walford College. I didn't know he was a Walford Terrier, but attended that school in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and got playing music and more in his college time period. And then the Black Crows went on to have some rock success back in the 80s and 90s. Again, the lead singer of the Black Crows with a birthday today. Happy 
57. I had to double-check that. 57th birthday, Chris Robinson of the Black Crows. And that'll wrap up our look at all of the Southern history and fun for this Wednesday Y'all Show. Hang on. We're going to wrap this hour up, this Wednesday Y'all Show up with some Southern humor. We got a Southern comedy spotlight, and that's headed your way right after this. Rock on. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature Little sing. NKC getting us heaven out today with joy to the world. And, you know, we're going to bring some joy to you. As we have found here to wrap up things, our Southern Comedy Spotlight. Some funny guys, Caleb Elliott, John Christ, and Derek Stroop on stage talking about the best Christmas joke ever. So for a little fun here, we're going to wrap things up today with a little comedy here on the Y'all Show, the best Christmas joke ever. I was reading the Bible the other day. Okay. And (laughs) Catholic story. Hold on. That's like our major book. We read it. No. go to the church and they read it too. We have it. We have a copy ourselves. We take it home. We read it sometimes. Oh, it's different. No, they don't read it. They it was, it's hard to describe. It's like 66 books, but it's one book. It's called the Bible. We just, you can have, okay, sorry. sorry. Go, go. <laughs> think like that relationship, I'm sure it was a hard dynamic. You know what I mean? Like, yep. this is hard. Like, if you think about that story for real, like Mary's like, I'm pregnant and it's God's and Joseph's like, word. Um, <laughs> word. Word? That's what he said. Is this the message Bible? What is this? Word. Word. Amen. It's true, man. Oh, my. Man, if you know the message Bible, that was a zinger, John. That was very good. Oh, my God. He was like, he was like, ready, baby? Ready? One, two, three. Really, Joseph? Really? No, for real, Joseph. This is the best you can do, Joseph. For real, really, Joseph? Really? That's why this ain't your baby. All right, that's some fun there from those comedians. And the point was that Joseph blindfolded Mary there in the stable to show her where they were going to have that baby. And her response, again, according to that comedian, was, Really? This is why this isn't your baby, Joseph? If the best you can do is let me have a baby in a barn and in a manger, then yeah, this ain't your baby. That from these comedians, kind of, kind of funny. I mean, not too, uh, not too serious here, but just found this the greatest Christmas joke ever told. These guys do a lot better job than I do. Check it out on YouTube if you get a chance. Well, that will wrap up our y'all show here for this th- this Wednesday. We got a great show coming on Thursday. It'll be our final show of the week. We encourage you to tune us in. Kiefer Ingles will be coming on to talk a little college football bowl games and signing day, which is today in college football. Until that time, have a great rest of your Wednesday. Glories of his righteousness and wonders of his